Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. On this week's episode, the guys talk all about their predictions for the 2024 spring housing market, all while enjoying Broken Barrel Cast Strength Bourbon. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks, powered by Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective on YouTube. As always, my name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with... Jameson Amaros. Oscar Barra. And we are just three real estate agents out here in Colorado that love to drink bourbon and talk about real estate with you to hopefully arm you in what's to come in the real estate market. Um, but honestly, guys, it's these last three years have been pretty hard to predict, obviously, with everything, the rates coming down. Um, but what we're finding out, and if, you, if you're on any kind of real estate social media or if you have, you're searching real estate, I'm sure you've seen it, Agents and everybody's getting excited with what's going to happen in 2024. The Fed talking about rate cuts. We had an episode on that a couple couple episodes back. So feel free to check the channel, go view that one. Um, but what we want to do today is just kind of talk with you about our expectations for spring 2024 and what it's going to look like, especially if all of these things fall into place that we think are going to fall into place. Um, and as we do that, we always love to drink some bourbon. And today's today's bourbon is uh, it's pretty heavy. Um, I'm a little scared. It's hot. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> I was blindsided. It's hot. <laughs> if you're, if you're I watching, just found out what the proof of this uh, yeah, is. Yeah, if you're watching the video, you can see that the it's bottle hot. is open. We're, we're letting the, the bottle. <laughs> we are letting this baby breathe. <laughs> we're letting it breathe a little bit. We took, we took a, little, a little sniffer before of the, of the bottle, and it was, uh, it was pretty hot. Um, but the bottle that we're drinking today um, is Broken Barrel. Broken? Yeah. Yeah, Broken Barrel. Yep. And um, it's 115 proof. But it is a it's a Kentucky like a straight Kentucky bourbon yep. basically. So Jameson, break break it down a little bit for us. Great segue. Uh, there's a reason they call it Broken Barrel. Was there a broken? So barrel? if you guys remember uh, Oak and Eden, yeah, they use the spires right to age the whiskey or mm -hmm. to to get some more flavor. So Broken Barrel has been around for a little bit. They've they've been around. I mean, it's a Kentucky bourbon. It actually, won best Kentucky bourbon of 2023. Um, but they have a very unique process on how they age this bourbon. So to start off, they've got a bunch of different bourbons available with different mash bills and all See, that kind of stuff, I, right? I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's interesting to me that it says best Kentucky bourbon, and then you started with they have a different way of doing this because a lot of the time you hear – Kentucky bourbon is like traditional well, non-deviation. So it is, right? On so top of that, how many best bourbons are 2023? Yeah, right. We have like seven. It's like, yeah, the best 2023. Best, it's like the, who the it's fuck like is the, the best of the best here? It's like the Home, snap, the home snap Award. I'm sorry. Yeah. I started <laughs> cussing early. Uh, but uh, no, so to, to answer your question, one of, the, one of the main drivers of making a bourbon, a Kentucky bourbon, in its like, you know, truest form, is it has to be aged in American oak barrels for, barrels for at least two years. Right, they follow the, the guidelines to make it a bourbon. That's one of the stipulations. So they do. So this is aged in American charred oak barrels for a minimum of two years. But then after that, they get a mixture of oak barrels, sherry barrels, wine barrels. Okay. They take those barrels and they smash them to smithereens. They take <laughs> the bourbon Even that was aged for two years in the barrels. Sylvester. And they put it into steel aging barrels now. What? And then they take the broken barrel bits of all these different barrels and throw them in there and throw them in there and then age it for another two to three years. I have never seen a steel. Like, is it like a steel drum? It's a steel drum. Huh. Wow. So they literally. So is it going to be, is there going to be hints of steel? Steel? <laughs> no. There's, so there's not going to be hints of steel. I have a, I'm tasting uranium here. 
they basically what their their mantra is they believe and our our our, our uh, here you go this guy's getting it um they believe that 80% of the character of whiskeys is barrel-based. Mm-hmm. But they believe that if you age it in just a barrel and it's just touching the sides of the barrel, because those barrels aren't sloshing around and whatnot, they wanted to experiment with the, the staves, which is what they're called, right? Yep. Barrel staves. And they chose different barrel staves to age different barrel or different uh, types of their bourbon. Okay. And, I, and I wonder what, um, what the, the volume of it is too is it is yeah. it a, a way to you know because you're, you're gonna you're gonna lose from what the barrel mm, so kind I mean, of pulls out of the, out yeah. of the alcohol and then the evaporation of it uh-huh. in a steel drum i'm wondering if they capture more of the bourbon and how that affects it as well yeah so this this one that we're drinking is the broken barrel cask so this one is um hit with french oak staves X bourbon barrel staves and a blend of X sherry cask staves. Sherry. Okay. Interesting. Mm. I mean, I could, so you said two year base yep. and then two to three years after with Correct. the, with the, with the, just the drum yep. or the yeah. steel drum and the, and the bit and the wooden bits in there. Yep. Okay. So if you like, if you want the breakdown, the oak, cause so they, you know, everybody has a mash bill. Yeah. Well, these guys introduced oak bills. Nice. Because every single one's different mm-hmm. percentage of the staves, right? So they've got this one is a 40% French oak, 40% bourbon cask, 20% uh, sherry cask staves. Hmm. Okay. So the, this is, and this is kind of why they use the staves. So this yeah. is the reason, right? This I'm is wondering if you're going to get like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm interested. Yeah. Because yeah. you Straight have the, you, website the metallic there. portion of the barrel has to have some kind of flavor to it. There is a tremendous amount of surface area when using staves to further mature a whiskey, much more than using the inside of a barrel. I mean, it makes sense. Right? Yeah, so over sense. twice the total area of oak comes into contact with liquid with each stave furthering the depth of character and enhancing the whiskey's flavor. I mean, you just for the mash bill, yeah, 115, so it's barrel proof, which yep. as a reminder, barrel proof just means that no water has been used to distill this down to a specific ABV. Whatever it comes out of the barrel, at, at the alcohol, that's what it is. This one's 57 and a half percent, right? So it's Issa spicy. Issa spicy. spicy. So the mash bill is 70% corn, 21% rye, 9% malted barley. Hmm. 9%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I, it's good. Glad I ate breakfast. It's, yeah, right. Exactly. But I mean, just, all, just right off the bat, I, I, love, the, I love the color of it. Um, it. It kind of has that, like a, that, lit, that red amber, you know, that, that, not really, just not really that popping I like brown. How, I like how none of us have their glass in our hands. And not yet. Kind of no. scared. <laughs> We're just looking at it. It's a little early um, in the morning for a hundred. Wow. So they have a diagram of how they do this. Interesting. So ah. essentially they reconstruct the barrel with the staves and then put essentially what would be a smaller empty oak barrel inside of the barrel. Inside of the the drum where the whiskey's aged. Oh. oh, wow. So it's not like, oh, okay. So they so reassemble it. So they break them apart. Yeah. And the staves are, you know, just like the pieces of wood on the outside of the barrel. They break all that apart and then they reassemble it based on their oak bill mm-hmm. and then put that into the steel drum where the whiskey's aging. And then they slosh it around? Mm-hmm. So huh. the, it doesn't come into contact with the steel? It does. They pour the liquid around the Correct. barrel. Oh, inside. they put. Yeah. So like the barrel is. So they take the it apart. Still. They pour it in with the staves yep. around it, and then they close yeah, it. Yeah. So I don't know if you can see that. 
but this is what this is what it would look like inside. Yes. Well, no. This is what they put inside the steel drum, oh. and then the 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 whiskey is, is around, around it and inside of it. And so instead of, of hitting it. basically instead of hitting just the inside Correct. of the wood, yes, it's hitting all of it. Awesome. So there's right. like rust and shit and just <laughs> yeah. I love it. There's rust in here. Well, that's what I was talking about with the color. It's. I mean, in all reality. <laughs> Hold on. Do we have to be up? Uh, I forget. We're being recorded. <laughs> Do we have to be up, up to date with our um, tetanus shot? Yeah, right. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the color. They, I, I have, really po- like they the have a color podcast. <laughs> they do have a podcast. They do have a podcast. All right. We'll have to yeah. reach out to them. <laughs> hey, guys, we did this. Um, the nose, I know we had it open a little bit. It, it's definitely. Uh, it, it hits. It hits. But it's, it's lighter, honestly, than I expected it to be. Ooh. Yeah, it's but hard it, to it, it, it's hard to smell through and actually yeah, get Yeah, because it, like it gets like the tit, the inside roof of your nose. Yeah. It comes in hard. I'm getting a sweetness, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely a sweetness there. The vanilla is subtle. It's. I mean, I can't, I can't smell past the alcohol i smell alcohol dude i'm, I'm not gonna, i'm not gonna lie though i don't the burn is that's not, what i said it's not as bad as i thought it was gonna be no but it, it, it i can't smell past the alcohol i get the vanilla yeah, i don't but that's like the, the i get sweetness maybe that's the vanilla but i don't it's a not a bad thing it's not a bad thing that i'm, I'm not smelling past it it smells good but it, honestly it, i think i think the other thing too is with the alcohol i think that's enhancing the mm-hmm. the the wood it is. Yeah. I, I get. I'm starting to get the sherry. A yeah, bit. it's 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 really well blended <laughs> in there. Like, yes, the alcohol is overpowering, but the wood definitely. It's it's almost like a, uh, like the tartness of the wood. Yeah, goes well with the the, the heat of it in general. All right. Yeah, well, I'm cheers, start, boys. I'm, start, really. I'm starting to get the. Yeah. I'm starting to get the sherry. And as always, we have JC's glass here. It's going to be interesting <laughs> oh, to see how man. it opens throughout the I, whole episode. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to get some kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting lacquer and paint thinner. Well, Let's go. Cheers. 115. Lacquer, paint thinner, and tennis. Let's oh, get yeah. it. <laughs> Sounds like a good Friday night. Cheers. Mmm. Okay. I, I get cinnamon. Okay. Um... I'm I'm getting, I'm getting actually a lot of yeah. sweetness. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. getting a lot of raisin malted, cinnamon kind malted of malted barley. Yeah. yeah. But also with a with a hint of leather. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you boys. For 115. Well I was gonna say is it, it it's definitely staying true to the higher ABV as far as it you the, take the sip, it punches your mouth with yeah. the alcohol. Like your your tongue It's hot. Yeah. It's hot. It it definitely engulfs your tongue and your mouth, the back of your palate with the heat. But then that's it that mellows after, out. Yeah. It, you once know, it mellows. <clears throat> this is more my wheelhouse. I, mm-hmm. I like it. And yeah. it's, it does, it is 115, but the nose is a lot more pungent uh-huh. than, yeah. than the drink. It's smooth. It is 115, but it is smooth. It is. And, and it, it's smooth to where it goes, smooth. it goes on the palate, but it also lingers in your mouth. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Your, your lip, your cheek, it's mm-hmm. still, the burn is mm-hmm. there, but not in a bad way. Kind of like and when you're eating Red Hots, that kind of burn. Yeah. 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 Well, and I was going to say, it's I th- it at 20% rye with a 9% barley, like it, you definitely get that 
that evolution from spice, sweet, oak, back to spice, a little bit of. I don't get a whole lot of spice, so I I like it. I get more. I get spice on the back end. I I guess at the at the finish. I get that sweet, like vanilla ish caramel. You ready for my off the wall? Yeah. Breakfast cereal. Okay. Which which like breakfast cereal? Are we talking fruit mm, loops? Or Lucky are we Charms. Talking? Like a, okay. Okay. The breakfast cereal. The marshmallows or the grain? The milk afterwards. Mm. Kind of that that all cereal okay. sweetness. Like an oat milk almost? Yeah. Yeah. I can, can see get that. that. If you've ever had if, so if, you, like, if you've ever had arroz con leche, that's kind of where, where yeah. I'm going with. The, yeah. That? A little bit, a little bit of chocolate or almost yeah. peanut butter. Yeah, I mean, nutty. so it, it has French oak staves, okay. which French oak is normally for wine, mm-hmm. right, uh, or champagne. And I can, I can, I can taste that. Like it's not, I don't get the char of like an American oak barrel as yeah. much. And I think that's because when they put the staves in, they're already used bourbon staves, mm-hmm. staves, which means the, that wood is already soaked in some of those sugars and everything else. Mm-hmm. So when you put those used ones in, you don't get the oak grainy as much. Yeah. You get more of the after sweetness. I don't know. And I, the sherry, I can, I can definitely taste yeah. the sherry. Yeah. It hits me in the back. It's definitely yeah. a sweet bourbon. Um, not like we had talked about with the Breckenridge um, rum cast, but it's a sweet finish. Yeah. Um, it, the oak, like you said, yeah. it's, it's not really there, but I think it's because of the process. And I'm getting... Spice, but not the kind of spice like pepper spice. No, no, no. It's a no. sweet spice. Yeah. Kind well, of like, I think like nutmeg other, and, yeah. and the other cinnamon. Piece of this, mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you were to swap on the mash bill, the corn and the rye, yes. I think it would be yeah. you would you would really feel mm. like holy shit, this is this is one fifteen. Yeah, this is but okay. because it's a high corn, mm-hmm. not a high rye, you get the sweetness of the corn plus and the then, malted barley. Exactly. And the rye mm-hmm. is that dry finish that you're getting. Mm-hmm. But I think that sweet corn is working well with the French oak what was What was the, the mash bill for the uh, barley? Uh, well, the or mash wheat? bill is 70% corn, uh, 21% rye, right. 9% and 9% um, malted barley. Malted barley. And most, wow. I would most think it was bourbon whiskeys are 3 to, three, three to 5% of the high end. So, I mean, honestly, it makes sense with how they did it because by putting that full wood in, you're going to get more tartness out of the wood. So by adding more of that malted barley in, that sweetness with the corn would cut that that um, that sharpness that you get from I the mean, wood. I mean, here here's my honest assessment: if I wanted to make a bourbon, then I'm like, you know what, this is gonna fuck you up, but you're, you're gonna, gonna enjoy, enjoy it. it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, not this is gonna fuck you up, but it's like like Copper Sky, right? Mm. They're 130 percent or whatever, or 140. sorry, 130 proof. That is pure ethanol. Like, it is hard for me to sip that and go, oh, I can pick out A, B, and C. And I actually, like, I physically enjoy drinking this. Yeah, no. I'm like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take three drinks of this, and I'm going to be fucked up. If you haven't had Versus 130 this? plus proof, like, it's, there's no experience. Like, like, like oh, I, hold like, on. <laughs> to, to back Copper Sky up a little bit, you throw in a cube in there? Correct. The vanilla notes come out. They do, but and I'm it saying makes a great old when we're doing this, right? We're doing yeah. we do all of these without any sort of ice or water. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what I'm saying is, if I got somebody that enjoys bourbon, but they want to try like a higher proof bourbon, I would. I mean, I think this is pretty yeah. mellow considering it's yeah. almost 50. How would you how would you rate the mellowness? Because uh, I agree, it is mellow to the probation uh, prohibition old Forster. Because that was 115 proof. Pro, I think mm. the prohibition did better 
with the, but again, it's I think traditional. It, yeah. Well, not yes. only that, but because it started out as a medicine, they had to make it more palatable. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why the prohibition was just a little bit more, not, it wasn't as complex, but it was, it was easier to, it wasn't as front heavy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. as front mm -hmm. There's a lot going on with this. Burger. There is. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this thing opens up. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like it's going to be one of those where like the sip at the beginning mm -hmm. versus like JC's glass at the end yeah. is going to be like, well, did we just switch bourbons? Mm -hmm. So there's, it's, there's definitely a lot of flavor for the 115. Yeah. yeah that, that's what, that's I, what's getting me. Honestly, is I don't know how to assess that yet. I don't know if yeah. it's going to like just hit me in the face and be like, okay, I'm done with it. Or if it maintains it because it mellows out. Mm -hmm. If it maintains that, that's good. It's a good characteristic that, of it. Cause like even right now, you know, I put the glass out. I haven't taken a sip for a while. I think that the, exactly to your point what you just said oscar is like this may be hey if i if i sip this too much it gets overwhelming as it builds on itself i could definitely see where this goes with that because of that sweetness um but again that's why i'm excited for the end the, the open glass the one that's just sitting so we can actually taste that evolution because just on the first sip like i said it blew me away like yes it was hot but then the second that that heat subsided flavor 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 mm -hmm. flavor like just back to back to back yep and even now sitting, it's like, it's got that nice, like, I feel like, I feel like I just had like a, like a caramel candy drop. Mm -hmm. I know? like, I like the front end heat mm -hmm. in, in, in my bourbons. And that's what this brings. Yes. Um, it's the back end that just keeps going and it just feels like heartburn. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. This definitely doesn't have that. No. But it, um, <clears throat> so for me, I enjoy the burn. So the burn's kind of like, okay, that's there. It comes in with all the flavors right off the bat for me. Yeah. And, and I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I, again, again how much was how much was the nineteen twenty? Uh, 60. sixty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and as always, guys, we reveal the price of the bottle at the end of the episode. That way, we can factor it into our our rock rating. Um, but as we sip through this, uh, you know, we've we've gone through some hard times in in these last couple of years with the real estate market, and a lot's been said. A lot of people are trying to come up with solutions for it, um, but. We started the year off with some pretty good, pretty good news um, as far as, you know, irregardless of how you feel, left, right, whatever it is, stats, numbers of the economy, unemployment is doing great, you know, we, we, uh, inflation is, has been tampered, uh, like down for months on end now. Um, and what that's doing is that's giving the, the Fed um, a little bit more leeway, a little bit more leniency. And, you know, we had the episode a couple back where we talked about Oh my God! Everybody's freaking out. The rates just dropped because the Fed's going to drop drop uh, rates. Now, we're, we, when we talked about it then, it was like two, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That was we're thinking that we're going to drop it three to four times. Now they're going; they could drop it up to six times because of how well it's looking start at the start of the year. Um, and what we want to <clears> talk <throat> about today is kind of how to prepare for that, right? Because we definitely have, as a buyer and as a seller, we've gotten to a point um, in the last in the last year, two years, where there's not a lot of prep that you have to do. You know, if you're able to put in, if you're able to put a down payment down, if you're able to go in on a house, a lot of the time you're not going to come up against other offers mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And I'm not going to say it was easy by any means, but based on how markets have been in the past, especially here in Colorado, we, we might see this 2024 spring market with these dips explode again. And now you're going to have to go up against other offers. And I mean, just as an example, uh, I, I just went under contract with a young couple who's first time home buyers. And this condo that we were looking at was on market for 77 days, right? And obviously rates have come down. They continue to drop. We're getting good forecasts. And they just dropped the price from 330 to 320 so a $10,000 drop. This property, again, 77 days on market. We went and looked at it. No offers, nothing. 
rates drop, price drop. Got a call from a listing agent. Hey, Charlie, uh, just want to let you know we had a showing and they're extremely interested. Uh, just want to be transparent with you. And now automatically, after um, four months of looking with no, no problems, no issues, we, go to, we look to put an offer in and boom, we might have to go up against somebody else. So obviously we were lucky that $10,000 came off. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they dropped it because that gave us a lot more leeway to come in at list, not asking for concessions with very strong offer to the sellers. Um, and luckily we're under contract, but it just goes to show like this is again, first week of January with these predictions and we're already seeing stuff like this happen. Uh, so I, I don't know guys. I, I think, I, I think spring 2024 is going to be a shock to a lot of people. Um, specifically because rates are going to come down and then everybody's going to go, Oh, okay, I'm in. But then we haven't fixed the inventory issues and prices are still up. This is the beauty of this podcast. I love the fact that Charlie hasn't been jaded like myself or experienced like myself, the way, whatever you want to see. Um, you know, everything you said is on the money, but the market's going to do what it's going to do. Yep. I've been through recessions. I've been through uh, uh, interest rates, hikes and drops. I've been through th- the big short. I was in the industry when that all happened. Um, <clears throat> one, it's hard to predict the market because there's so many factors, so mm-hmm. many from, from, you know, the job market to wars, presidential elections, everything affects real estate. Um, it's just going to do what it does. The way you prep for it, it's kind of fail proof. Mm-hmm. When's the best time to buy? When you're ready. I had this conversation with one of my good friends um, and, you know, he's bought a few properties from me and he calls me up and he says, hey, I think I want to buy another property is this a good time or do I wait till the rates drop? I said, what do you want to go for? Do you want to go for madness or do you want to go for opportunity? Mm-hmm. Get you a buy down, wait till the rates drop, you buy it for less, it makes more financial sense. Not that I'm trying to force you to buy now, but if you're ready now, do it now. If you're ready then, do it then, right? Um, to me, when the market's all out of whack and doing everything, it's just gonna do what it does. You have no control of that, but you do have control of prepping for what is to come and if you need or to buy or sell now we we touched on a lot of these things in the past of what what to do to prep to buy a home um i think uh, today's episode is going to be good to recap on a lot of things because now we're entering something different um you know we're we're going to get back to the frenzy and 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 for the last five years we've had low inventory Mm -hmm. um i've been in a market when we've had uh, 36,000 listings in the Denver metro area. That means six to six to eight months worth of inventory. That's all uh, for, the, for the folks that are listening and watching. When you judge how much inventory is, the way we see it and we calculate it is that there's six months to 10 months worth of inventory to sell before we have nothing. Um, so right now, it's not even anywhere close. You said how much? 36,000, right? 36,000. So if you take new listings, back on market, and price decreased listings. We're sitting at about, call it seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. <laughs> I've been in a market where it was thirty-six thousand. Seven right. Imagine, homes. imagine doing real estate there. You didn't want listings back then. Yep. You list to last. They used to say buyers were the way to go because you would go in. You were priced at three hundred thousand. I was going to offer two fifty, and you'd go back and forth, and then I'd ask for ten thousand in closing costs. And back yep. then, that you could use those closing costs for down payment if you wanted to. It was wild west back then, right? 
I've seen all of that and into, uh, into what we're doing, dealing with now. And, you know, we should have, uh, a couple of my buddies, they're, they're at the KW office there. They're always badgering me. When were you going to have me on your podcast? Yeah, I was like, come on, come down. You know, and yeah. I'm interested to see what their cockamamie brain's going through, too, because I look at real estate way different than both of you, and mine isn't right, yours isn't, you know, and none of them, none of the point of views are, are better. It's just different, mm -hmm. and I can appreciate that from a standpoint of I've been in the business for over 20 years to see what your your point of view is because – I like to see real estate through others, another lens, and you, you two especially give me that, just so you know. You give me yeah. that other lens to look at. <laughs> this guy looks at it through data and numbers, and I'm very much data and numbers. I've gotten a little lazy on my data and numbers, but I love to hear the data and numbers, and I like the fresh view of your, your, your generation because mm -hmm. we're, we're still – close to the gen yeah. same generation but you're in the the front end of it and um and, and what you're looking at because mm -hmm. your generation's a new the new breed of buyers right now yeah well and that's and that's the whole thing too is is you know i think that obviously we got up to eight percent on interest rates right and we talked last year around this time about how people were getting comfortable with where interest rates were at so if they were getting comfortable then at 6.5 6.8 and then now we go up to eight and they've experienced basically, hey, the worst of the worst in the last 20 years. How do you think it's going to happen now when we now that they're projecting, hey, we're going to cut rates again. So we could see 6.5. We could see 6.2. It's possible, you know, not heavily. But what is that going to do? And a lot of the time, what, what at least what I'm seeing is when we have so many more people that come into the into the buyer pool, it's going to get really interesting. And, and it's almost as if. I'm excited to, to see it only so it's an experience of, see guys, this is what we were talking about. If you would have, well, if you would have taken the last year to plan, put this in place, you will be the strongest. You'd be the, the biggest flexing muscle when everybody's coming in because you're, you're a year ahead. And that's what I think we're going to see. As, as a realtor, we are, our job is to do what the consumer wants, right? We're, we're going to be your advocate. We're going to give you our professional opinion. I'm curious to see if, the consumer, the general public, learned from what happened two years ago. Mm -hmm. Because now we're going to get an influx of buyers again. Yep. And two things are going to happen, right? Um, the mortgage side is going to get backed up because now they're going to be refining. And they're going to have a lot of buyers. Um, I'm curious to see if there's going to be bidding wars for price point. Yeah. I'm curious because that's what got us here. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm wondering if it's going to... It, it wasn't so much a sense of desperation because we don't have the low, low rates. So I think people hopefully are going to pump the brakes and say, okay, I'm not going to add on to this, but how can I make it a little more savory for the, for the seller so they could, or entice the seller to take my offer, mm -hmm. not so much price, because if we go back to that, I think we're going to end up in a pretty crappy situation. I don't think it's going to go. I'm curious to see if that's going to well, happen. And, and also it's just incredible. I and mean, you hear me talk about it all the time, but it's so location and market specific, right? Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, yeah, we're sitting here going, oh, if we go down to 6.5, we're going to have this many more bar buyers come to the, come to the market and, and be ready. But our average sale price is still 550000 plus, right? Versus you have Kansas, Wyoming, North Carolina, all these places that are still sitting at two fifty. And like, I I'm going to be real with you. Like, you know, I I'm not a capitalist. I don't have investments here, investments there. I don't have money to throw, but... I'm definitely sitting here going, ah, oh, damn, man. You know, if it, if I lived in North Carolina right now, if I moved my money to North Carolina once these rates drop, I could, 
I could destroy those people there. I, I, I could, you know, like, and that's how you think with buyers. And you got to think Colorado is getting that from Californians because where we're going, oh, I can sell a house, my house out <coughs> here for 550 and then go buy two houses now for that price down in North Carolina, especially Western North Carolina. They're doing the, California's doing the same thing to us because they're going, oh, I just sold my house for 900000 I can 100% buy a house there for 500000 And I think I'm interested to see, like, how migration patterns start to look because I feel like, and we're already seeing it here in Colorado, so many people are cashing out going, oh, in the last four years I made an extra mm -hmm. 40% of my house. I'm going to take that, put the rest in the bank, go buy a house and some acreage and relax for a little bit. And I, I'm excited to see what happens once rates come down and people feel a little bit more confident based on the numbers. And, and you said it earlier about, you know, location, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I had a, and I talked about it, the other podcast, um, I had a buyer that, again, this property, we were looking at a lot of properties and there was a home that went in, uh, that went up for sale in the Lone Tree. It was on the market for three days. I called the agent and they had, she had five offers, mm -hmm. one cash. You would think I was looking at a yeah. $250,000 townhome. No, it was a three bedroom, two bath house, borderline patio home. It was one of those smaller ones in Lone Tree. 625. 950. <laughs> and I, I literally, I just had this conversation is what's so crazy is it is, it's so prevalent in the market and in the numbers, if you actually look at it, the, the first time home buyer homes, they are slow, but the cash homes, the, the real money ones, the 800,000 up, that market really never died. And you know what beat us all out? Cash. Yeah, absolutely. It was a cash mm -hmm. with an escalation clause of 10,000 jump price. Yep. And I don't know what the cap was. She and if you guys, me. escalation clauses just basically <clears throat> mean you're, you say, hey, if somebody comes in and goes up to this, we will, we're willing to put our offer up to that amount to match, and it goes up to a certain amount. So that's, and again, that's a great segue into kind of why we want to talk about this, because a lot of the time, you know, we've told you in the past, saving, creating a, um, a, uh, a savings plan with your lender and stuff, that will prepare you for what's coming when the housing market comes back. But then also, it's strategy as well, right? If you don't understand how much you can pull from a concession, what you can ask for, when to ask for it, how to ask for it, and how to communicate that with your agent, you might go up against somebody who has taken the time, who has watched the Mile High Perspective on YouTube and gotten the information, and, <coughs> and then you're going up against somebody who knows a little bit more and can actually have that conversation at a higher level with their agent versus just, hey man, here's some money. I want to buy a house. What well, do I do? And I want to offer this to the viewers and, and the listeners too. Um, call, a, call one of us. Call me. I, I will do a, a free consultation. Let's look at what your, your situation is. Mm -hmm. I'm, it's not going to be, it, I'm not going to push you. I might put you in a drip, but that's not very in your face. Or if you think it's beneficial to you, I stopped doing these a long time ago just because they were time consuming and they didn't really do much, but maybe do a, a, a home buyer's course, right? Yeah. Get, you know, we have a facility here. We could get 20, 30 people in here and, you know, we could do Q and A's or just go through the, the process. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone, leave us a comment and let us know. Hey, I'd like to learn on a little bit note, more on that note, guys, TikTok peeps. Thank you so much. We're growing. You guys are following. You're liking the content. You're reaching out guys. If once we get to a thousand followers, exactly what Oscar just talked about, we're able to go live on there. We're more than happy to do the podcast episode, then throw it up, go live for you guys, sit here and answer questions that'll help you out. Because at the end of the day, again, that's why we do this. So stay tuned, please, if you haven't.
Go follow us on TikTok, The Mile High Perspective. Get us, help us get to that 1,000 followers so we can go live and help even more people across the country. Drop us a comment, too. These two boys um, manage that. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I've really never gone onto TikTok for The Mile High Perspective, but they tag me on everything. If you need, if you need to say something about me or something, comment. Yeah. Good or bad. I want to see yeah. it. Um, and, man, that, can you imagine that <laughs> episode? Uh, yeah, Live? Gonna, That's going to go like three hours. Yeah. It's, it's I'm gonna just going to say. Fun. It'll we're be fun. Have, we're going to kill a bottle. Be a fucking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we might need a, a, a backup <laughs> bottle for that episode. <laughs> right? we'll, do, we'll do like an 80 proof. <laughs> well, and, it, and it's funny. You guys heard me talk about it before. but <laughs> We're going to do Malibu rum today. Yeah. Just because... <laughs> Oscar, Oscar, some tech nine, tech nine in the background, one fifty one. Malibu room, some pineapple juice. Oh man, Oscar and I have been kind of talking, and, and, and it's funny because if you're not on, uh, if you're not on the video, you can't see Jameson just <laughs> over here, like Bruce Almighty style, clicking on the keys, typing away. And now look over, and there's just graphs on the screen, and he's just sitting here waiting, waiting. So Jamo, what, what what you got building up? What's going uh, on? I, you know, I we keep so it's interesting, right? Because everybody has an opinion, like Oscar said, on the housing market mm -hmm. and how it's so very hard to predict. And if you ask, I don't know, ten different realtors, you might get ten different answers, or you might get a resounding: the spring housing market's going to go nuts, and yeah. you guys have to be prepared. I'm not going to lie, boys. I I've kind of changed my mind. Yeah. I, I think it'll be busier than last year, for mm -hmm. sure, right? For the simple fact, like you said, yeah. there's, a, there's a human psychology element because if you look at last spring, right, February, March, April, the, the two things I look at, what rates were at, which were six and a half-ish, right, with no points, mm -hmm. which is important. Uh, and if you look at where home prices were, we've only gone up about a percent and a half, okay? Right. So in my head, part of me goes, yes, buyers are going to be more willing to shop at these rates because I've had a year of understanding like, hey, this is what it's gonna be. But home prices haven't really dropped, okay? And the reason that I can say that- We were up by 1%. Right, the reason I can say that though, and this Coming is one of the charts year. I was looking at, is we look at something <coughs> called the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, which essentially measures the affordability of the median price home based on a bunch of different factors throughout the United States. If you go back a year, right? So put it this way, to be like normal, the Case-Shiller Index needs to be between like 80 and 100 points, okay? Back January of last year, in February of last year, and March of last year, that index was 297, 298, and 307. So significantly above what we would see as normal affordability, mm -hmm. okay? That number hasn't gotten better. Nope. So last month, it capped out at 319. Mm -hmm. So if I look at it, on one hand, I, I agree that the, the buyer sentiment is going to be, hey, it's, it's a better time now to buy a house than it was last year, mm -hmm. okay? Um, it's actually proven. So they did a study that came out, I think, last week, and we went from, they asked buyers, potential buyers, hey, you know, what percentage of you think it's a good time to purchase a home? Last year, it was at 14%. This year, it's at 17%. So it's gone up 3%. Not a lot, but it's still trending in the right direction. But affordability is still an issue, as shown by the Case-Shiller Index. Home starts are still an issue, which to your point is inventory, mm -hmm. right? And we still have 87% of homeowners under a 5% mortgage. Yes. So that lock-in effect is still very, very, very real. And my concern is the longer that effect happens and rates stay in that 65 to 7% range, the more and more enticing it's going to be for homeowners that do have equity, which if you guys want the national average, what do you think the national average of equity is right now in the United States? 
for homeowners. As far as obviously like it changes like market, to, like percentage dollar of people amount. who have equity, dollar amount. Every homeowner in the United States, what's the average amount of equity they have in their home? So what they owe on their mortgage versus what their house is worth? Two hundred thousand. Okay. I want to say one hundred fifty. Three hundred and two thousand dollars. Holy okay. crap! Now, granted, <laughs> this is this is it's it's market specific, right? And yes. I think there's a couple of big markets that skew that, like San Francisco, San Bernardino, Us, Colorado, Florida, Boise, yeah. Seattle. But on average, three hundred and five thousand. Talk about hyper local Florida. Florida has uh, one of the uh, two of the five highest um, in markets the, in the in the in, country. In the right. US. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, so, and you have Punta Gorda, where my my yeah. family lives, where it's a retirement. So yeah. it's, you can still buy a well, house. But for no, like exactly 000. to your point, Jameson, that, that's exactly what I mean is in like, it, and, and that's why you have to take it with a grain of salt of, oh, 20, spring 2024 is going to be a hot market. That's why I mentioned the, the location because exactly to your point, I think that's because people are sitting on that equity, 300,000. Like also, I just said, the, this is the greatest website I'm going to send this to you guys, but all like the stuff we talk about is in this website, okay. just <laughs> categorized. So nice. like we talked about homeownership rates, yeah. right? It's right here. Okay. We're at 66%, which... Yeah. Which again, I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, what what the outcome they were thinking was going to happen, but it didn't happen. It it didn't happen with well, and it's funny with COVID I, because it, they dropped it because they think it was going to go yeah. south, but then people kept buying and then it, they overbought, and now they were like, well, screw it, we're going to throw in well, an eight percent. So, it didn't really slow it down I that had, much. I had two conversations in the last on the last four days with with friends. One has has a portfolio, has purchased homes, has you know he he knows what the process is. And it's funny because we started talking about it. He's going, oh, you know, it's hard. Can't find something that in the area that I want for under a million. And he goes, oh, man, so Colorado market's not going to crash, huh? <laughs> and it was, you know, it's like, no. <laughs> it's, it's I not. don't think any market's going to crash. <laughs> right? because, but then, but there, there was a few uh, statistics out there that, you know, go into a, um, a recession, but you know, a my, mild recession. Yeah, but my whole point in that with that is, you know, it, that's still a thought. Well, here's people are still going. Yeah, but once it crashes, man, I'm gonna, I, I'll be fine. It's like, yo. Well, it's not. Hold yeah, on. That's a, that's a whole other conversation. But let me let me finish my thought on why I don't I don't necessarily think that spring is going to be as insane. I, I was guilty of this, right? I've posted some stuff that when I was initially looking, I'm like, man, it's gonna be nuts in the spring. I just don't think it will because you still have, if if housing prices had dropped five ten percent this year, mm-hmm. and rates stayed or dropped six and a half to six and a half, whatever, then I could see it, right? But our rates are essentially the same as they were last year, okay? Housing prices are up over what they were last year. Inflation is at 3.2%, something like that, right? And it's a lagging indicator, so we don't really know what it's at. And then wage growth on average was about 4.1%. So if I'm looking at it just data analytic-wise, the only thing that would drive buyers to the market in droves is if rates dropped below what they were last year, because think about it, right? If I'm budgeting my monthly payment on a $500,000 house at six and a half percent last year, mm-hmm. now I'm budgeting my monthly payment on a $510,000 house at a 6.8% in my, I, maybe I got a 5% rate wage this last year, but inflation was up at three and a half percent. So really my buying power only increased by like 2%. What, as a buyer, is enticing me to flood back into the market aside from the fact that I got, quote-unquote, used to the rates well, previously? And, and, no, and but that's exactly what I'm saying. Was, that, that's exactly, no, and yes, and, and that's, that's exactly what I was saying when I talked about I can't wait to see, you know, migration data or the moving data because, to your, to your point, you know, why would somebody do that, right? right. And, and the reason that I think 
Yeah, I'll be honest with there you. There is FOMO, think, right? There's well, FOMO. So well, to me, that's the only thing that's going to drive it. Is somebody goes, you know what? I, I think the people that were on the fence last year that yes. stopped, correct, will flood back in. Correct, but, but that's your data points. Your data points, I think they point to, and I'm hoping, an equalizing year. Yes, I think there's going to be a now. This is my new opinion, mm-hmm. right? My new opinion is I think there is going to be a slower roll of buyers entering the market. I, I so. don't think it's going to be a frenzy. No. But I like because a lot I of people. So. But see, and here's and the last. But here's the last thing, right? Mm. The last, the last, the last reason I don't think it's going to be a crazy year, is because we talk about the Fed dropping the rate. Yeah. Okay. They came out in December and said, "Hey, we're going to drop it at least three to four times." They're chumming the waters. That's what they're going to say. But that's what they were doing. When they do that, and Oscar, you know this, mortgage companies react. So they're not pricing in the one, the first rate cut. They're pricing in a minimum of three, right? So if the Fed's not going to drop the rates until Q2 which is what, January, March, so April, April May-ish, May. right? So let's say they have a, a rate drop in May, July, and September, okay? All of those drops, sorry, rate cuts, are already priced in to the mortgage rates that we see. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I go, if we're at six and a half with a point now, I don't see a significant change until at least the back half of, of this next year. Oh, yeah. But the, again, the end of the third into saying, the fourth like, quarter. Absolutely. Right. This I is, agree. This is, this is why I mentioned the, the location of it. And, and that, that's what I mean is I'll, I'll be straight up. I don't, think, I don't think California. I don't think Texas. I don't think Florida. I don't think us, you know, like I said, Colorado. I don't think that we are going to see that frenzy. Right. I, I don't because our home prices are so high. Dang, but based yes. on the 310000 average equity that people are sitting on, the reason I brought up the, the comfort with the rates is because last year where people were, to your point, yeah, we were still at 6.5, I, don't, I think they were still in that shock of, oh, if I move, I'm going to have this rate. But what I think is going to happen is the states like North Carolina, Kentucky, these low home price areas where they have acreage, they, have, they can get a three-bed, two-bath for this. I think those markets... Are going are going to pop off. I think those markets are going to get killer because people are going to cash in and go. Wait a second. I'm living on how, however many acres on a lot size here in Colorado, but I have equity. I have this much more in my home. So you're telling me that I can just I can move one state over, but I can get the seclusion that I want. I can get the acreage that I want. I can build or have the house that I want with money left over to add the additions and make it as I want it because of all that equity that they're sitting on. So here's, this is the funny part, and this is why I like, Oscar, you brought this at the very beginning, the different uh, viewpoints, right? Yeah. So let me just challenge this. Yeah. Oscar, as a father with kids in school, would you be willing to move two states over to Oklahoma just to get some change? Hell no. Right. So here's the other piece of this, right? Mm-hmm. Now you got to look at the migration patterns when it comes to family. Because for you and Alicia, for example, you guys wouldn't have any issue. Yep. necessarily moving to afford something in somewhere else. Most mm-hmm. of your work is either remote. You can pick up clients doing videography, whatever. Alicia can get, get on with another apartment complex somewhere else, but you guys don't have kids who have friends who have sports, all these different things. So I agree with you, but I don't know if it's a big enough pull for somebody like myself or Oscar to pick up uproot and then leave right mm-hmm. to a different state. So I look at my personal situation. My house right now is finished 2,800 square feet. Okay, I got a nice little lot back up to the park, and we have plenty of space for myself, Caitlin, and, uh, and Kieran. I have roughly $200,000 in equity in my house that I could pull out with a HELOC, right? I'm at a 3125%. Mm-hmm. 
if I wanted to move to a bigger home, I would, regardless of where I'm at, unless I wanted to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, outside of <laughs> Dallas, Texas, Plano, maybe somewhere in You got to factor Illinois, in the taxes in those Whatever it is, too. yes, you do. And that's a whole other conversation. But, or North Carolina, right? But property taxes in the East Coast are whack anyway. We're going to go to North Carolina. We're going to take a field trip. But here's the thing, right? So Seriously. let's say I wanted more space. Invest. <laughs> Does it make more sense for me and people in my scenario to sell my house, take that $200,000, put that on a down payment on a larger house in a different city or state or whatever it is, uproot the entire family, restart school, restart my business, all that kind of stuff? Or do I take out of that 200000 do I take out eighty grand? finish my basement, which is 1,100 square feet, at a bedroom, a bathroom, a wet bar, a theater room, a golf simulator. Now my house is 4,000 square feet, but I haven't had to move. I haven't touched my 3.125% APR mm -hmm. at all, but now I have an extra 1,200 feet, square feet of living space that's usable with an extra bedroom for family and friends and so on and so forth. I love it. See I what love I'm it. saying? Well, no, no, so I get The migration pattern is, is different, but what I'm saying is this just goes back to the point that there's so many Factors. homeowners right now that have a rate under 5%. Yes. And I just looked at new home starts. While they're good, they're still not where they need to be. We're about a million new home starts a year, multifamily and single family, to catch up to demand. Mm -hmm. Which means we got to make up almost 100,000 units every single month, which and right now it's not possible. So that's my point is like, what is going to drive this frenzy I other than rates about came dinks. down? About what? Dinks. Dinks and dunks? Dinks. Are we playing yeah. pickleball? No, see, okay. I don't, I don't so, know what that means. So, Elaborate. You, it, so elder, like elder millennial. You're getting there. You're, <laughs> on the, you're, on the right, you're on the right pack. A dink Dudes is in new kicks. Nope. Uh, hey. We're talking about dual income, no kids. Yeah. Or, or, right? or, or Ralph's. Ralph's? Mm hmm. What, what, or, what was it? Was it Ralph's? Uh, no, no, no. Henry's. Sorry. Henry's. Oh, high earners not yet ready. Yeah. Something like that. But, but, and, so. and that's what I mean. And the, and the reason I bring it up is, yes, it's and, – and this is why I love it. Thanks. When you really get into these conversations, you start realizing how many factors mm -hmm. – I'm going to get really on the phone like, oh, in. so you're a dink, huh? Right? But, but what we're seeing is reports of younger millennials do not – are not starting families. Our population mm -hmm. is slowing right. down because they don't have kids, right? And that's where I think – Younger millennials are costing boomers because they don't <laughs> fucking sell their houses. I think – that plays into it. And again, now we go with the statistic of what well, is something like it was 30% of millennials that are renting wow. are making over $120,000 a year, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Sitting there waiting. And I know, like, speaking as currently a dink, right? <laughs> it, as it's more say, of a dilf, <laughs> but okay. Right? But speaking as that, I, the, what's churning in my head. Two dilfs and a dink. New <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Two dilfs and a dink. Way off topic, but yes. That's where we are. But, or uh, we, we got we to gotta find an acronym that's real estate related <laughs> that are dunk. So we can dunk. have a dink and dunk podcast. <laughs> the dilk, like the dunk, and the dink. But it, and for me, it's just I see it, I see it moving because uh, to your point, yes, there is. you do have people who have the families that have the considerations, but – who has right now the largest amount of equity in the U.S. population? Baby boomers. Baby boomers. Awesome. And what you're about what to make my point. I love it. Continue. But I was going to say. Yeah, and, and I'm going to add on to that. Baby boomers, like you said, they're not going to want to sell. They're not going to. But think about the ones that have the realization of, oh, I have this much money. I can make. I can get my dream home. I can have that. And yeah, I might be at a 6.5 percent, but I'm going to sell my house here for six hundred thousand dollars and make. 
because probably at this point they own it outright. They're going to technically have 600. Now they can go buy a house with acreage. They're not going to go buy another house. They're going to go straight to the retirement community. See, yeah, but here's and, here's, and you know their millennial ass son or daughter or nephew is going to do something with that. It's and, 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 and that's a, saying, all valid points. These are all yeah, valid it, valid points. Yes, and 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 there's there's the curveball of all this. Um, so I'm thinking, I'm hoping all your points are true. Because we need an equalizing year. Mm -hmm. Because as much as I don't want my house to go down in price, we need to have some kind of stabilization to have one or the other catch up. Whether we make more money, mm -hmm. rates drop, and uh, price points drop. Yep. Just to make the affordability, we come back to that word, yep. accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. I, I, as a real estate agent, well, that's what that's I want. The reason, that's the reason that so I bring it, it, it up. It's, it's, is, it's because interesting me, to see where it's going to go. But that's exactly the reason why I bring it up because for me, it's I love Colorado. Like this, you guys know how much I love this state. But when I sit back and I actually think about it, and I go, okay, all right, you know, we have dual income, no kids. We're making this amount of money. If we were to go and get a property now, you know, even like I said, this young couple that I'm helping, three hundred twenty thousand dollars for an eleven hundred square foot condo. They did phenomenal in the market getting it, and they're going to make money on it, brand new kitchen, everything. But you're telling me I could take that 320000 and just go, you know, for five years, let me go, let me go make the investment, and I can, I can go do this. And again, remote work is up. Working from home is up. People, that's, they're flooding into Denver for that reason. You, you, know, you, don't have to, you know you it's, don't have to move either. I yeah, most of my investors have investments in other states and live no, here. Yeah, exactly. But that, that's my point is I think that that having once people see like, oh, my money will go farther here. I think that's what will fuel it. And again, like I said, it's not I don't think Colorado market's going to be going to pop off. But I do think these lower price markets are going to see a bump because of the equity that we're sitting on, the value in general that people, younger millennials are looking at, because at the end of the day, I think that we're going through a shift in public uh, sentiment with younger millennials are now going, I need to stretch my dollar. So I, I'd like to know what the stats are in a state like Georgia. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Because Georgia has a lot of those, what you, you talked about, yep. right? You could mm -hmm. buy acreage, you could buy a lot of stuff, but those communities aren't the best. And then you got Atlanta. Atlanta's popping. Yep. Atlanta is so here, so perfect. Being. Actually, so I, I would love to yep. see what that market looks so like. So I actually have. Well, right we have now, the stats for it because we share MLSs. Right, right now, I actually have a buddy that um, works for D.R. Horton in Florida or in Georgia. Excuse me, D.R. Horton in Florida, right in that Georgia area, close, close, like Hilton Head adjacent. Um, but he's saying That's South like, Carolina. It's South, yeah, Hilton Head, South Carolina. But as far as where it is, oh yeah, like they're the comparable market. And so he's, he's telling me, he's like, yeah, man, I'm not, I don't have to do anything because he has people coming in that are doing cash, that have flipped, sold, whether it's investors, whether it's, it's older generation that are now coming in and going, yeah, I want this. I, here, I have $500,000. You're selling this for three twenty. Here you go. I'm buying it. I'm moving in. And now, like, that, and it, that's why I said. Right, like, but who's, see, here's the problem. Yeah. Because you're, we're talking about the dinks, yep. right? <laughs> so the dinks are normally or millennials, right? One of the things that millennials have proven time and time again that they want is amenities, mm -hmm. okay? And the problem is twofold. Number one, if you want to move from Colorado, and let's say you are a, a millennial that you know, makes 100000 and wants their money to go farther, you kind of have to go to more either rural or underdeveloped areas. You, you just do, mm -hmm. right? 
And millennials have proven that what they want is they want comforts. Mm -hmm. They are, and you've said it before, they want experiences. Yep. Now, granted, each everybody's different, right? Your experiences are, hey, I'm going to go in the mountains, go camping, do yep. whatever. A lot of millennials are, my experiences are, I want to go to new restaurants, cafes, mm -hmm. bars. I want to have activities. I want to have social groups, all that kind of stuff. Where and do you those find, communities where you can get Where that, do you find those? Don't want that in there. Right. So, but here's the thing, right? And I'm just looking at Charlotte just because we brought it up. You can get in Charlotte within the city limits of <clears> Charlotte <throat> where you would assume that there's city life and nightlife and different things to do. Four bed, three bath is $759,000. Okay. Charlotte, see, that's the thing though. You're, are you looking, where, where in Hyper Charlotte local, are you looking? Right. And, and two different things. Everywhere. We have second ward, Elizabeth, Sedgefield. We, we have, so, all, so hold on, hold on, time out. Like Huntersville, Moores, like surrounding Charlotte areas that are only 30 the, minutes out. This is my point. Exactly. Because <laughs> the, the people that are going to move there are going to be the baby boomers that want to upgrade yes. and buy, for example. Yes. And, and I want to throw and, a wrench in that. There's two clashing generations right now. Right. Millennials and baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Millennials want amenities. Baby boomers need amenities. Right. They don't want, they need them. Right. And who's left in the middle? Gen Z's. They don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I wonder where they stand with but, all this. But, and that's, but that, again, that's my thing is like, when you have an entire generation that is mentally Two. okay with living out of a van where van, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, let me, let me have the experience, but kind of, but, but sh close it in. Right. You have people that are more willing to buy that lower priced home, put a little bit into it, live in it for a little bit. Hey, here's a so, question. Comment on this. Yeah. Ask if you're a millennial, I was, I, where, where, where do, where I do you stand with this? I guess that is a smaller percentage than what you're giving credit for. Really? Yes. And I think social because media think about it, right? gives it you're, a lot. It gives it, social media is a the, soapbox. The people that, the people that are comfortable with that tend to hang out with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Same yeah. reason we talk about yeah. left versus right on social media. So people get this like, oh, there's a whole generation that is like that. I, I have people that are my age and younger that live downtown Denver that refuse to buy because they like renting downtown because they can go walk across the street and yes. grab great sushi and they can go walk across and go to the dark uh, arcade place and they can go to one up and then they like to go out on the weekends mm -hmm. and interact and mingle and do all these different things. I have another segment that likes to go skiing and snowboarding, right? That's just their thing here in Colorado, but they don't want to live up in the mountains because it's too goddamn expensive. They would rather pay rent at $2,200 a month than a mortgage at $4,000 a month because they will use that extra money to finance the Epic Pass and all those type of things. So mm -hmm. it depends on what your like tribe mm -hmm. is. My contention is yes, you want all these people or all these people want to take their equity or take their savings because they make 100000 and they're renting to move somewhere else. But the houses available are being occupied by baby boomers who are at a 3.5% that would rather take their money and add an extension onto that existing house, make it larger. And there's that. therefore, when you do want to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma, you have to be out in the boonies. And my contention is most millennials don't want to live out in the boonies to buy a house. I'd be okay with it, right? Like if you put me on five acres on a 5,000-square-foot house in... I don't know, somewhere in Texas, but then you have property taxes, which, you know, they are ridiculous, whatever. But my point is like, yes, I think there's a migration want. Mm -hmm. I just, I think the lock in effect with these interest rates is being so grossly understated because people are just like, oh, well, rates are coming down to six and a half percent. It's going to be wild. No, because nobody's fucking moving. And yeah. if you look at new construction, it can't keep up. And I've actually started to see, and you've probably seen it too the incentives are starting to disappear a little bit. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. they're also slowing down the construction side. Mm -hmm. They still can't sell the houses that they have because even at 6.5%, you still have to be able to qualify well, and you afford know what? it. And, and if they're, if they're, if they're offering the incentives, they're not, dropping, they're not, they're 
they're very, very stringent on the price. And the, the, markets, I, the markets I think that are going to have the biggest booms are the ones where the median income matches is more closely correlated with the median household price, right? So the median household yeah. price is and those are, those are 485,000. They're, they're very rare markets. Right. Like I know, mm -hmm. dude, I know I can move to somewhere in West Pennsylvania and have probably an 8,000 square foot home on 10 acres, beautiful colonial house. Do I want to do that? No. Like, I, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't have any reason to. If I want to move to Tulsa, can I restart a real estate business there? Sure. Arizona, another one, right? I've been talking about potentially moving to Arizona. I can get on with a, a team there and restart. Yeah, me too. Do I want to? I don't know, man. I'll like, call you in the I, summer again, and, I'm and at ask a, you, I'm are at you a happy? Well, 3.125%. Yep. So in order for me to move to make it make sense, I have to have a house that's at least twice as big as mine, which means my property taxes go up. See, and, and then I still have to be okay with paying a 6.5% on that property. I had this conversation with my wife. If we were to move out of the house we're in now, I would love to move to acreage. Right. But it makes no goddamn sense for me because I have a 2.875. If you were at a 5 and I would a half, take I would take all my equity and it would <clears throat> it would not even come close to exactly. to offset. You know, it just doesn't make yeah. sense to but us. That, but you're also paying 2 2.875 on 500 500,000 plus. Right. Versus if you look at it and you get a house for 280 at six point five. Oh no, I'm moving to Perry Park, baby. Look, they're they're what, they're, they're what not cheap. What house am I getting for two eighty? But not this here. is what I'm talking about. Those markets. That's right. what I mean. Where where those you houses know, are. You know where those houses way. are? Wichita, they're Kansas. All, they're all on the Gulf Coast, and you're talking Louisiana, Alabama, Southern Missouri. Mm -hmm. In which case, cool, I can move there, and you know, like we talked about, the average equity in Louisiana is about one hundred thirty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, right? But the average payoff on their mortgage is one hundred twenty, which means their house is probably worth. You can do the math, $350,000, right? Cool. I can go to Louisiana and I can move down there. But if I am not somebody that can remote work, oh, you're not going to move to time, Louisiana. A lot of insurance of, companies. That too. Left. Correct. But what kind of, what kind of economic opportunities are there for me mm -hmm. if I can't work remote? Right. Yeah. You better like, be good at jazz. I'm, ex <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Honestly, I'm excited to see what happens. This is, I think exactly as Oscar said earlier is not only, I think this will be a good leveling year, but I, I also so. think it will be, an amazing year for statistics and numbers. It is. And to I think play the, into the overall market. And, yeah. and I hope it goes in a positive way. I'm, I'm interested to see what it's going to yeah. do. Yeah. Home prices are going to increase for all the reasons we just talked mm -hmm. about. We're up they 1% just, just, from last year, right? even with the, with the crappy interest <laughs> yeah. rate. And as a buyer, I think 1%. The, the important, the important thing is to understand where the market's at mm -hmm. by listening to like, you know, us, uh, and doing due diligence, um, listening to, and we've, me. we've said it time <laughs> and time kidding. again, right? You can't time the market. Yep. It's physically impossible. So when you're no, ready. No, say your coin phrase. When you're ready, you're ready. Yeah, you can't. Time in the market will always beat timing the market. TM. It just will, right? So TM. if the, the goal of, if you're a buyer coming in, right, give, I don't know. Let's, why don't we talk about two or three things that a buyer can do over the next month to just get ready to jump if that's what the plan is. Watch the Mile High Perspective on YouTube. That covers all two okay. or three Perfect. things. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, and, and, You're going to have to weed through the, uh, and obviously guys, the dad you know, jokes can, and whatnot. We've but, been over this in, 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 the ep in, in the episodes that we've had. By the way, episode 50. I know. I, we, yeah. <laughs> episode yep. 50. Yep. We it's today. Right now. <laughs> wow. Um, but it, So thank you guys for, for helping us get this far. But I, I Episode 50 and what? 37,000 views on the YouTube channel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Woo! Yep, over over 300, 300 hours of watch time. It's it's cool stuff. 
But and, and you know, we could sit here and tell you how to prepare, how to prepare. We've already done three to four episodes on how to prepare, right? This episode is like, hey, listen to us talk about it, our insights, what we think, where it's going to go. We have experience of 20 years. You have experience of, of five years. You have experience of a year and a half, two years now. And and like Oscar said, it, it's you have a bunch of different a bunch of different inputs. And, and obviously, I'm hopelessly optimistic as somebody who's looking to buy a house. As right. you know, I, I want it to go well. But at the end of the day, it's like Jameson said, it's not timing. It's not what the rates are doing. It's how you're prepared to do it. So go through our playlist. See what, what you know, vibes with you. See what, how we can help you. And comment. Please, yeah, reach so we out. Know. I would Ask love, us questions. Or, or call us. I would, I would love to meet some of you guys. Just, just have a, a good conversation. Absolutely. If you need a vent on something that we said and you think that you have a better perspective, that's awesome. That's what we're here for. I would love and I am always open to hear what you think. You're not wrong. Vent to me. And then if I have two cents, I'll give you my two cents. And if I don't, I'm going to take your, your, your advice and your comments and really analyze it to what I believe. It's like yeah. Lil Wayne said, we live in the same building, but we have different views. <laughs> yeah, <Boom>. moolah, baby. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, if you guys want to you know, live like Thomas Jefferson in uh, Virginia, <laughs> to our point of like, markets are very different. Nine bed, six bath, 8,000 square feet, Victorian home. For seven hundred ninety-nine thousand in Suffolk, Virginia, which is just right outside of Virginia Beach, Norfolk. Mm-hmm. Oh, Emily, we're moving. We're going to Virginia. Half, half an <laughs> acre lot. Taxes are seventy-two hundred dollars a year. Nothing crazy. I mean, Wild. I, I don't want to like be controversial, but like I feel like this person at one point had owned slaves. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. We're not yeah. going to Virginia. I mean, my family can. I mean, my wife's Scandinavian. She fit right in. I am a little too dark. Also, this is <laughs> not, not going to fit in Ugliest Virginia. interior, but I swear to God, this is literally Joseph Bell's <laughs> telephone that he used. Yeah, what? Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm what, sorry. What, 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 what was our telephone company? Dude, uh, you weren't cool. here Look yet. They have them all over the house. That's oh, my awesome. God. Who, who, was our, who was our one of our first telephone companies here in Colorado? Uh, Do you remember? Bell? Mountain Bell. Yeah, Mountain Bell. Mountain Bell. Yeah. That's great. That was awesome. Well, I, Holy guys, shit, there's actually a slave in here. Shut up. I hope they, you know, this, this kind of gave you some insight. And honestly, guys, this episode was more for us to just kind of vibe out with you, kind of see what, what three real estate agents think that the market's going to do, especially with all the headlines coming out. It's going to be good. And Everybody, you know, social media saying, oh, it's going to be the best. Get ready. And I can't stress this enough. Comment. Comment. Send us emails. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I want, I want to hear what you, yeah. you think. The best way all to of understand us. it for us is to it, have the conversation. Yes. And, I, I, and we all know how many hours you guys spend on Zillow looking at houses you can't And afford. how many hours you spend on social media. I want to hear it. I don't care if you talk shit about my hat or my shoes. I want to hear it. <laughs> don't touch the glasses, though. Not the glasses. You can't fuck with my <laughs> don't glasses. Say anything about the don't say anything about the goddamn yeah. glasses. He's out of them. I'm, I'm, her, I'm a, what's uh, Horatio Kane yeah. from CSI? <laughs> yeah. It's like him. You don't fuck with the glasses. No, but I, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. I want to I want, like, one of the very first pod, uh, podcasts we had, I joked around. I said, I don't, I don't read statistics. I make them. You are the people out there making the statistics. I want to know what you think. I want to know where your mind's going because you're part of the factor well, of what what's going to happen this year. What kind of concerns you guys have? What yeah. kind of questions you What concerns you, you and what, how we I can think, uh, alleviate that? I think it's a good time to move into the One Rock takeaway for today's episode. And okay. I think let's, let's do our best to keep it concise. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing shit. Yeah, Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> it's 50. We're at 50. Right. All right. So One Rock takeaway for today's episode. I'll, I'll go ahead and start it. Um, as always, guys... Again, as Jameson said, it's not time in the market. It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. Regardless of what, what's going to happen, teach yourselves, learn, um, you know, learn what concessions are, learn 
all the, the power that you have as a buyer mm-hmm. as you come into this because it's only going to set you up to have those better conversations. And the more knowledgeable you are, the better opportunity that you have. I will piggyback on that and say that the housing market, as it shifts from a buyer's market to a seller's market to a balanced market, whatever that looks like, it is at, the, at its core a game of leverage. And if you understand where the market's at, you can execute that leverage. Mm-hmm. We obviously can help you, but I can't force you guys to jump in to purchase or sell a house. When you guys decide to, then we can work on the leverage piece. And the more knowledge that you guys gain from your own due diligence, watching the channel, listening to us, whatever it looks like, is just going to help put you in a better position when you are ready to purchase or are ready to sell. And then our job is to essentially, uh, I don't want to say, you know, engage that leverage. Lubricate the gears. Yeah, yeah. We want to mm-hmm. We want to, um, We want to make it better, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I talk to a lot of people that just, they're unsure of what's happening. Use us. Mm-hmm. We are a, a tool belt for what you need to do. Um, my one rock is I'm going to open my ears to what the general public's going to do and wants to do. Um, again, I want to stress this. I, I need you guys to comment, call us, do something, not for business so much, but for data. I want to know what you're thinking. Like the general public, you're the ones that run this, um, whether it's politics or, or whatnot. We, we were having a really silly conversation earlier, but you know, everybody has their own opinion. Um, what's yours? And, and, and even the, user 1.5.685 that has his real estate license that said that we suck love you too i want to hear what you have to say vent with me i want to give you my professional opinion we're probably going to argue some f-bombs may be dropped but i still love you mm-hmm. i'm going to send you this okay yeah I'll i just it. want you to post it and just say it. hey give us a call yeah my other caption for this is hey alexa the british are coming <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that is, that's a good one i like it uh, and, I, and now the, uh, the part of the episode that I think I'm going to struggle a little bit with, our bourbon review. You're going to struggle with it. I think I'm going to struggle. Why? With because it... Start, it off, start us off then. So, okay. All right. Hold on. Let me... You know uh, what? Regardless of what it tastes like, the 115 caught up. So I'm like, it's tasty. <laughs> I like it. Hello. Hi. Uh, you know what? It, it's a spicy bourbon for, I feel like, what kind of turned into a spicy conversation. Yeah. So. Well, and, and I think I, I like today's conversation for it because, it's like, normally we're all on the same page. Obviously, today, on today's episode, I was a little bit, I was a little bit. You were a dink. I was a dink. You were a dink. We were dink. We were the dink. We were the dink. I mean, it is what it is. Hey. I'm going to make it. We were in the same building. Dinks and dunks. We just had different views. Dinks, dilfs, and dunks. Lil Wayne, he's a mastermind. Genius. Well, Dinks, Dilfs, and Dunks podcast. Damn, we got a whole new <laughs> series. Whole Triple new series. D's. Um, uh, shoot. Guy I, Fieri, don't sue us. I was just kidding. <laughs> I, on, so I, I still have the, the original pour um, from the start of the episode. And I will say it's... <laughs> what a dink. What a dink. What a dink. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't want to say exactly what I thought would happen, happened, but... The sweetness comes through on the nose way heavier. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it opened. Um, Why don't you want to say that that's what happened? Cause because I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I know. I, I'm good. Well, I'm I mean, we've, good. We've, you know? we've, 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 dinked, we've dinked at least 50 bourbons. <laughs> All right. Now you okay? can't misuse it. All right. Um, no, it, <laughs> we can I do like, what we want. The sweetness, <laughs> the sweetness came through at absolute, almost to like, for me, I almost now get like a, like a, like a ice cream. With the yeah. sweetness. That, so how you, it that's funny up. you say that. Have you guys ever had Rolos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It like the now the aftertaste on the mm-hmm. back of my tongue is like a Rolo. Yeah. Okay. I've had Rolos in 10 yeah. years and somebody brought them for Christmas yeah. and I've downed like 10 Destroyed of them a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. 
Nice. So it may just be but over, I mean, uh, overwhelming my palate. But. And then, like, on the nose, like I said, it opened up that sweetness really punches. The burn's through. still there, though. It, oh, yeah, it's still there, you but know, it's, the, it's the, there as an additive. The nose is still there. The nose of burn is absolutely still there, but it's more like the, the taste comes in like a, like a marshmallow, kind of yeah. just mm-hmm. spongy well, and, and that's where, for me, like, having this, that, when I said earlier, when we started that first sip, the spice, now with this one, it's immediately, that spice yep. hits right at the front. Of the of the flavor and then goes down to that sweetness, the caramel and all that. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, hold on, I want to. I'm getting so much more of the wood. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely, and it, it makes sense to me. It, and I think the reason I said I'm gonna have trouble with it is because not not because it's bad or anything, but because the 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 guy who sits on the edge of society part of me. When you hear like, oh yeah, 2024 be- or 2023 best Kentucky bourbon, I wanted to be like, oh, I'm gonna tear this bitch apart. But no, it, it's I can tell why. At the front, it goes, you know, like if I can explain it, it's like you open the bottle up and and it's like that, it's like that mysterious, that mysterious person, that mysterious girl that you're like, oh damn, she's bad. Like it's it's she's bad. She, she looks hard, you know. Like I I, I might want to which I mysterious wanna, girl, Charlie? I might want to delve into that. Come on, what's now, don't going get me in on trouble. here? I'm just saying. When, when you, it's like that, like the adventure's there, right? The adventure's right. there at the beginning of Game like, on. Yeah, like, oh, like they're, they're, there's something interesting here. But then as you experience it, dark eyeshadow, like, full sleeve tattoo. <laughs> as you get to experience it and it, it opens up, you talk yeah, a little socks, bit more. That's both of our ways. <laughs> you, you, know, it, you talk a little bit more, you get to know it, and then it goes, oh no, I, damn, this was no, I, I wanna, this is good. I, I want to kind of piggyback on that. It's, yeah. uh, if I would have known the process he told me, I'd had a different opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. I'm I'm kind of I get it yeah, I get it I get it exactly. my hats off I also get it because we've tried the Oak and Eden with yes. the single their work is is coming through the you know what I mean mm-hmm. like 100%. it's like what Oak and Eden wanted to do but they did it right yes and they did it with different flavors and mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing is because if they would have just used a single stave yeah right and like just say one and they I like the idea of the Oak Bill yeah. Absolutely. I really do. Yeah. Because now you can play with those flavors a little bit, mm-hmm. and if it was you went from French. Uh, cask to American charred oak and maybe like you know uh, I don't know bourbon and then instead of sherry you do like a cabernet something like you could really play with these because it's aged for so long yep and it's so much wood mm-hmm. I, yeah, okay I so anyway. and, and this is what my analogy is so the last one we it's that like we had t- was mm-hmm. we, we said it was the IPA of bourbons yeah. right mm-hmm. this one is more of it's a staple because they added a new element, which is yes. the cast bill. Yep. Yes. This is more like the sour of beers. Mm-hmm. It's its own. It's its own thing. I like. Yeah. I compare it to I, who else does that? I compare know? it to Dexter, right? Like mm-hmm. just that. Experiment. I can now say I know what they're talking about. That, exper- that Dexter yeah. was good. That mm-hmm. experimental, like I'm gonna think a little out of the box, and yep. yes, this is traditionally how mm-hmm. barrels are aged, and we're gonna do it traditionally, but then we're gonna switch it the fuck up. Yeah. And to your like, ooh, this this chick is bad mm-hmm. analogy. It's like going to a bar, right? And you find that chick that's like, okay, lights are low, it's 2 a.m. And then when the lights come on, you're just hoping and praying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then the lights turn on, and you're like, oh shit, I made a good decision for right? once. Like it's, this is great. It's, yeah. It, you know I, what I'm saying? Like, no, and that's exactly the point I was going to make is like the 115 proof at the front, you're like, like ah, I don't know. You take yeah. the first sip, you, on the nose, you're like, oh, this is a little overpowering on the heat. I like what they're doing, but. But then it opens. You, mm-hmm. you you sip it, and that's why I, I that's why I say like I get why and how they got the 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 best Kentucky bourbon because 
it has the it has the complexity it has the the evolution of flavor once you do let it open and if you think about it as putting putting ice in it opening it up drinking it neat on the rocks you know it, it's i i like i think what they did played the mash bill especially plays so well into what they did with the oak yep um, I, I having agree. that hi, having that higher that Agreed. higher yeah. you know uh, malted barley with the higher corn that sweetness plays so well into the tartness of the wood with the the higher 115 proof I think for my rock rating on this I'm I I like it um, I before I give it what's what's the price point without the price point what would you give it without the price point yep. I'm I'm probably sitting about a 3.2 okay 3. what do you think the price point is ooh 115 special kind of distilling process. I'll go. I'll go sixty-five. What if I told you that it was fifty-two bucks? No shit. Nice. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and you know, with with one hundred fifteen proof, with me, you know, that's my wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm like, worst case scenario, it's gonna do his job. Mm-hmm. At, at one hundred fifteen, whether it's garbage, I drink enough. I don't care. It's dangerous playing with that proof because of that. Yep. So to make a decent to good bourbon at that proof or higher, like Booker's, yep. we haven't had Booker's. It's, no. it's because it's not my favorite, but it is within my wheelhouse. But I need to tone it down because it's a wild horse. Yeah, yeah. Booker's yeah. is a wild horse. Um, man, I think ah, they're doing something different. I like it. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm gonna sit. Yeah, I especially at that price point, I, I think I'm gonna have to give this right around a three point three point one three. What'd you give? What'd you give Prohibition? Prohibition was our highest rated. Right. So why, why a, is Prohibition more? So I see. Was it higher? I, I like the Prohibition because I feel like it had a little bit more, not complexity, but I, I like. Well, you said at the beginning it was less complex. This was less complex? No. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I was saying the, no, no. What I said about the Prohibition was that you can tell Prohibition had to be made to be drank. So it was sweeter. But again, for my palate. Well, you said sweeter, but you said this had more complexity. We'll rewind the tape. I'll throw the yeah, challenge flag. Uh, you did say I'm gonna stay out of this one. No, no, no. You did I, say I, it. Honestly, no, you said I just you said it. Now I'm just asking. No, no. Now I think they're very similar bourbons. That's now what I'm that asking. we're yeah, but now that we're at the end of it, yeah, I think that this one, the complexity is different than Prohibition. The Prohibition, I think, stayed that. in stayed in a, in a certain wheelhouse of mm-hmm. flavor in its complexity, whereas this one, it's an evolution of complexity yep. between spice, sweetness, and heat, all of that. Whereas Prohibition was this is this is sweet for the purpose of we want you to enjoy it we want you to it to be palatable and you drink it but it never really differentiated heavily this one when we first poured it the complexity was there in the flavor in the back end but now it's very much like steps a b c d spice sweetness you know oak basic where prohibition was i feel like a gliding scale so yeah. for me i and again the 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 thought of prohibition not changing the mash bill from before prohibition to now, I think that that played into the quality of that and the thought of that rating for me versus with this, it's brand new. They're trying different things. You know, they're implementing the oak and stuff like that. So I like where they're at, but again, it's that 115 proof. And I always think of the, the, the average bourbon drinker, there's somebody who's watching us to go, oh, hey, should I buy this bourbon? I think I still think that that person, if I gave this to my buddy, who I gave executive 100 proof to, he wouldn't be able to enjoy this. He wouldn't be able to get through it and sip it long enough to get to the complexity because that punch is so heavy on the front. This so is why a is wrench. He your friend? <laughs> this is a wrench in the machine of the person that likes traditional bourbon. Yeah, 
because you can't help but to like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It, it goes it, against it's, the man. It's, 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 you know, <laughs> it goes it, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm at a loss of what to rate this because from their aspect of trying something new, it works. Yeah. And I like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not traditional, it's, it, but it's within my wheelhouse. It, the flavor of sweetness didn't overpower the drinkability for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 115 is right there. I, I, was, I was joking um, at the poker party that we were drinking some bourbon that was 80 proof. I was like, spit that shit out. We, we're better than that. You know, and yep. I was joking, but, you know, 90 plus is kind of where my, where, where my baseline is with good bourbon. This is 115. It already comes in, you know, on my good side. Don't you have a frother? I do have a frother. You need to bring that in. I, I've been meaning to bring it you in. You guys need because to bring it in. Because it does, it does okay. change it. I think. It does change it. Well, and I think when you get complex bourbons like this, <clears throat> especially higher proof, if we were to take Eliminate. our three glasses, taste them throughout the episode, and then froth. JC's glass. Yeah. Oh, it'd be I a different be bourbon, 100%. A fucking, yeah. yeah. 100%. And, and, and here's, here's the other thing, too, with the, with the Prohibition for me um, versus, versus this one. I think the, the Prohibition, and, and again, I'm, I'm talking about feeling-wise, right? You were sick during that. I only had one. I think I had, I think I had one and a half pours of the Prohibition, but like talking on this being 115 proof, the effect that, that I feel is different than I felt with the prohibition. This one definitely feels like I drink 115 proof. I'm relaxed. I'm sunk into the chair. I'm vibing. I could drink another one. The prohibition, I still felt active. Like I still felt like, okay, cool. I had a drink. Let's go have the day. This one, I'm 100% ready to just sit and be like, yeah, I'm just chilling. I don't, I don't really want to do anything. I don't want to get up and go focus on it. Yeah. So I think that plays into it that's for fair. me as well. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere for at least four or five minutes. Right? You know, yeah, like that's, that's so what it, I it think. It is definitely a chill bourbon. Yeah, and I think that's where it's coming from for me. This is a it's, fire pit bourbon. It, yes. yes mm-hmm. This is a this is, call me this up is bourbon. A also, I'm not going to lie, dude. I, so I think I, I don't remember if I said this with Prohibition because I was a little sick. Um, there, I've, I've done a lot of different smoked mm-hmm. bourbons. This one would be fantastic. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Because it would take, I on, think, it would take I on the think flavors the, well. That front end burn. Yes. Would be complemented by especially like cherry wood. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or peach. Or maple. So. <laughs> yeah. This. Uh, yeah. It is. All right, so I'm, like, I'm gonna. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'll go ahead. Two? I said it. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go. Well, I'm cool. gonna go three one. Three, three one. one. All right. Solid three, three one. one. What are you guys looking at? It's so prohibitions. As we rated a two, right? It's, it's, it was a 2.3. It's apple 2. pie, 3, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. 2.3. You know what you're going to get, mm-hmm. and you're going to sit, and you're going to enjoy it. Throw some ice cream. It's fucking delicious. This is more, wow, man. It's, you know, anywhere between a key lime pie and a cake pop, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's so new and different, but I like it, and the flavoring, the sweetness, and everything else didn't overpower the bourbon portion of it. The, the bourbon part of it was there. It was the underbody is what carried it. The complexity of the bourbon carried it into something else. But because you told me the process, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It's something new that doesn't suck. And with bourbon, that, that speaks volume, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because I, I'm, I'm sorry, Breckenridge, I love your original stuff, but that cast, you need to trash that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, at least. It's nowhere near my wheelhouse. I will never buy that. Your other stuff, I'll definitely buy this, they tried something new and it worked, and it might be something of a trend. 
I, I was gonna say I think this may with start the oak bill, I think this may grab. yes it, it might mm -hmm. start something and if not you're gonna capitalize because you're making a good bourbon at a higher proof yep. that's complex that doesn't suck yeah all right Number. so uh, you know I'm I can't rate it as good as a prohibition just because I have history with it but it's right there with it I'm gonna go with the solid three. So as of right now, before Jameson goes, we have, if, if we were to give our top, top four, mm -hmm. it's Prohibition, then um, Dexter, then Smoke Wagon. Mm -hmm. Those would be our top three right now as far as ratings go. And that was what, two, three? Uh, no, we had that private. Uh, oh, the uh, Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig, that, private. Yeah, yep. private barrel. Yeah, and that one was, I think we did two, five two, Yeah. Two, yeah, two, six, two, six. two, seven on that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So those are our four. So Prohibition. Um, Dexter, Smoke Wagon, Elijah Craig. For what they're doing in the price, man, yeah. Yeah, the price is what kills me. Like I know. Yes, I, I, that, I, that's what's getting me because yeah. you look at Dexter, 63 60, bucks. Mm -hmm. Private Barrel's 80. Yeah. Uh, Smoke at Wagon's, the, the Uncut Unfiltered, 79. 70, so 80. 80 bucks. And then the other one was, uh, Prohibition was how much? 80? 60, 60 bucks. 60, 60. 60 65 See, bucks. I, like I said, if you go 60, 52, if I take price out of it, then I'd probably put it above all of those, below all of those, yeah. higher than all of those, I guess. If you did a blind taste test and said, these are $100 bottles. Yeah, if bottles, price was not an option. You couldn't. Dude, I'd. Price wasn't an option. I'd probably put it at 2.5, honestly. Yeah. If it's, uh, knowing that, like, mm -hmm. if it's just, uh, sorry, if price was an option, if price is the option, it's a 2.5. Yeah. Right, because. Yeah. No, if I'm, you would have came right to me right. and if said, taking, this was a $100 bourbon. Yeah, if I'm like, I would have, if, if I want yeah, I would believe If I want 115 proof bourbon, that I enjoy drinking, that has complexity. I can do different things with it, whether it's an old-fashioned, a Manhattan, I can smoke it, whatever. Nice, easy sipper as well. And you're telling me I could pick this up for 52 or Smoke Wagon Uncut and Filtered for 80? I'm gonna I'd go. save the 28 bucks and buy this hands down every single time. Yeah. Uh, but in a blind taste test where I don't know the price, yeah, I'm probably somewhere between like a 2.8 and a 3. I do. I did like the prohibition. I, I need to taste it again now, now that I'm not, not yeah. sick, because to me this, if as I'm remembering, like I think this has more complexity. And I think it's only because prohibition the burn dissipated, mm -hmm. whereas this has stayed. So I think it adds yeah. a different element. Um, they use the same uh, distilling uh, process as Dexter. Nice, keeping it within a tenth of yep. a degree, using cop all copper everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'd say. I'm going to go 2-8. Two, 2-8, eight. Two, eight, three, one, three. Yep. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's it's a good, good one. Too. Honestly, guys, if you're, lo if you're looking to try something, look looking to experiment, try something a little different, 100% go for this guy. Especially I just love the Oak Bill. I know yeah. half of it's marketing. But still, no, it's right? great. But the fact that they were like, you know what? Why not age it not just in a barrel, mm -hmm. but within a barrel? And yeah. then, well, we've mixed mash bills, so why not mix the type of oak that we use? Mm-hmm. I think is a, ge yeah. a genius move. Absolutely. I really do. I, I think it's gonna. I think this is gonna be like a baseline, which then, as bourbon gets more popular, as we've seen, it's trending up. I think more people would will, are gonna try it. But again, I like how this shows like bourbon is growing, and they're trying. They're, people are investing and in trying to do different yeah. things in order also, to change. Also, I like that they invested and tried different thing, things in a one fifteen proof. Yes, because you will see this a lot in like eighty proof because yeah. it's cheaper. I have right? one. <laughs> Basically, home. I don't so know who the, the distiller yes. is. <laughs> right. They added flavor and there's Correct. particulates in so there. So the fact mm -hmm. that they went, you know what? 
fuck it, barrel proof. Yep. So we're not going to add any water. And we're not going to skip gonna our time. We're going to let the wood do the thing, and we're going to do something completely different, and we're going to still not charge an arm and a leg for it. I, hey. I like it. Cheers. Broken barrel. I like it. I, I like what you guys Cheers. I like good it stuff. too. Yep. And hey, we'll reach out to you, see if we can be on your podcast. No shit. Person. Yeah, you guys yeah, have podcasts. Awesome. Let's do it. What's up? All right. <laughs> um, well, on that note, guys, thank you again for joining us on another episode. Remember, you can always reach out to us and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. We have a bunch of community playlists on there. All of the Real Estate Served on the Rocks videos are on there as well. Any questions that you have, you can comment on the videos, send us a direct message. Uh, you can always reach out to us 24 7. R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com via email and for the phone call. 303-578-0263 goes to all of us. Um, if you're spam, stop calling us. Yeah. But 303-578-0263. Stop using our number for verification of employment, yeah, too. Exactly. I don't know who you are, Josefina, but I don't know who you are. I don't think are. you worked at Kmart in 2009. <laughs> I don't think you worked for us anytime soon. And, uh, um, and Oscar, where can they find you? Social media, my friend. OscarTheRealtor.com, OscarTheRealtorCO. Um, Instagram crossboard at the lifting agent or that lifting agent Instagram TikTok and then the Colorado real estate guy pretty much everywhere Instagram TikTok Facebook and the website um, and I always point this out I'm going to make a point of doing this every episode if you guys watch this all the way through videographer of the century yeah so thanks uh, the man that makes guys, it happen if you guys do need anything when it comes to social media <clears throat> when it comes to clips when it comes to video editing shorts cinematography shorts anything Reach out to Charlie. He obviously produced this podcast for us and uh, does a lot of different things, specifically with other whiskey companies. The Whiskey Cartel, I believe, is one mm -hmm. of your biggest clients. Um, but he's available for anything we can do. Yeah. What do you do? Brand stories. Brand um, story videos, marketing. Yeah. We do um, any kind of Facebook, YouTube ads, any kind of social media, stuff like that. And even if you just want to talk video marketing strategy, yep. you know, how does it play and what's the ROI, stuff like that. More than happy to have that conversation with you because at the end of the day, if you're spending money, you want to know why you're spending money. And right. for all you real estate agents that are using your glamour shot picks, call them up. Yeah. Update mm -hmm. your picture. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And client testimonial videos go so far. Yeah. yeah so I got to get on that. Yeah. Yep. Um, but on that note, guys, have a wonderful week. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And again, cheers. Hope you're enjoying the bourbon that you're sipping on. And get we ready for spring. We, we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. No, <laughs> we absolutely don't. But we want to hear from you. Please comment. Yeah. Get a hold of us. Call us. Text us. I don't care. Let us know what you're thinking. Yep. 100%. We're not going to dog you out. You just want to talk to us. Say, hey, what's up? Give us a call. Cheers. Cheers. Amen. Salud. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.